Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Courageous Mama. I hope you're having a great week. I know there's a massive variation in people's lives at the moment. I've got friends who are working from home, home educating, struggling with loss and grief in this crazy season, and others who are actually enjoying a lower capacity life. And of course, many of those are supporting those in need in the ways that they're able to. So we might all be on the same sea, but we're definitely in different boats. So a shout out to all of you, whatever your situation. And if you're caught in a headwind, I hope this will be a breath of fresh air to you today. I certainly get to meet some interesting people on this podcast journey. And this week, I met a fascinating woman called Claire Libby. She's created an app that is a gift to our children, and it's free. She started her working life in HR, supporting corporations such as Deloitte, PwC, Tesco's, Mars, and supporting their new recruits, helping them to thrive as they began their working life. And then about four years ago, she noticed a shift in the way that young people were viewing themselves. And that linked into a time when employers were starting to ask for development around resilience and stress management. And she then embarked on two years of research, which involved her interviewing a large number of young people between the ages of 11 and 26 from all sorts of different backgrounds and starts in life. She interviewed those who were struggling with eating disorders, depression and had even attempted suicide. But she also interviewed those who were thriving and felt they were thriving in education and thriving in their employment environments. So she looked at their life experiences and how they were feeling and what support they felt needed to be in place for them. And it all led back to the key transitions in their lives. A lot of references to the experiences of moving from junior to senior school. It seemed to be a trigger for many young people, moving from that small nurturing environment to sometimes a huge place of senior school. And many felt that they just weren't properly prepared for that step. And some of that evidence wouldn't have necessarily presented itself around that time. It's years later when they look back and realise that's when they kind of lost their footing. For others, it was the transition of moving away from home to uni or for work that was instrumental in causing challenges for them as young people. The prevailing feeling was that they needed some self-help guidance starting at the beginning of secondary school and that it was too late by the point of the later transitions to uni and work and so on. And it was at that point they felt that they didn't always have the skills and capabilities to deal with all the uncertainty involved in those transitions. So Claire pioneered a free app for young people aimed at secondary school starters and beyond that takes them on a journey of looking at themselves, working out who they are and accepting themselves. She's a mum of two boys, 14 and 18, so she's no stranger to the realities that today's kids are up against. Over this January, as some of you will know if you've been listening to the podcast, we've been looking at mental health struggles. We've been chatting with Tony France and Hannah Clark. And if you haven't heard those podcasts, they are gold. I really recommend you check them out. I'll link them below. So it feels really fitting to share this genius app with you so that we can give our children the tools that they need to thrive. 
Now we know that social media is in the mix, but there's more to it than that. So I started our conversation by asking her why today's job starters haven't got all the resilience that they need and how we as parents can build up their strength. I think that it's a lot to do with advances in technology. I think there's a real difference between the world that people are growing up in. And I think that that has meant that people are almost on a state of high alert, whereas historically they wouldn't have been. And a stat that I think is really relevant is in 2011, 50% of the population became smartphone owners. And in that year, the medical profession saw a direct link with an increase in levels of anxiety and depression amongst teenagers. So, you know, that was just teenagers. But if you think about how adults and parents use their phones and use technology today, everyone is on a much greater state of alert, which in itself is, is almost like living in fear because of that high alert. And that fear represents itself in many different ways in terms of just kind of worrying right through to high levels of anxiety, um, judgment, um, disappointment. So there's there's this kind of sense that, that something bad is going to happen. And I think that that has had a massive impact on the way young people transition into employment. There's this kind of concern about putting yourselves out there because of fear of something going wrong or fear of not getting it 100%. And that's certainly the feedback that I've had from the companies that I've been working with. There's a real lack of resilience um, from, from young people in terms of moving from education into the world of work. And I think there's lots of things that, that can be done around that to, to support young people. But I think it's something that, that needs to be built, not just in terms of an academic environment. I think it also links back to, you know, the kind of start in life that, that young people have. There was a report by um, Public Health England and UCL, I think, and they were looking into how, how can we make young people in, in education more resilient. And the general consensus that they had that there wasn't one particular thing that needed to be done. It was, it was a whole community effort. So it was looking at their educators, their carers, their home life, them as individuals, but also, you know, that whole sense of community. And I think that links back into, you know, sort of where we are at with mental health at the moment in young people. There was a Dr. Dunn, I think his name was, in the 1960s, he launched the wellness movement. So he's kind of known as the father of wellness. And his whole belief in what wellness was back then was that it wasn't just physical health, it wasn't just mental health but it was that sense of belonging and that sense of community. And I think coming back to my point about technology, I think the one thing that technology has done has made people feel more lonely, which is quite bonkers considering it's supposed to make people feel more connected. I think young people need to work on things like the relationships that they have in terms of having those courageous conversations. I think sometimes it's very easy to hide behind technology and hide behind text messages. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of work to do in terms of, investing in relationships for young people because you can't gauge how someone is or someone's reaction to a conversation from a text message because you can't see their body language their eyes you can't see if they're upset if they're stressed so I think there's a lot of development that could be done with young people in school and that transition into into employment that would help them cope better with that working life definitely. So what do you feel we as parents can do in the home to build up that resilience in relationship to as you say have those conversations that perhaps feel like they're a bit risky in the relationship but actually get your relationship onto a better understanding make you feel like that better sense of belonging in your in your circles how can parents help themselves 
to help their children? I think that certainly for young people, there's that fear of judgment and fear of not being liked. And I think that links back to the fact that they're almost living their life in front of a camera, in front of a lens, because everything is, is really kind of public knowledge for them. And as parents, you know, that's that's really alien Certainly to me, you know, growing up, I would go to school if I had a particularly hard time with a group of people. I knew I could go back to the sanctuary of my bedroom and it would all go away until the next day. But I think that's that's really different. I think something that parents can do with their children is a big education piece around technology and the impact of technology and how it makes you feel. And that's something that, you know, a young person can work through on their own in terms of, you know, I've spent X amount of time on social media and I've come away and I feel really rubbish. You know, why is that? Who am I following? Who am I engaging with? And why is it making me feel like that? And if, if, it's, if they're not having a positive experience of that use of technology, then I think that light bulb moment when they think I don't have to actually do this at this moment in time, I can dip in and out of it. So I think it's a big education piece around relationships with technology and creating a sense of headspace because when you're in that kind of sense of, of fear in that heightened state, and it's not necessarily, you know, because you're in danger, it's just that that expectation that, you know, you haven't got a like on a particular post, why haven't they liked it? They're just being mean, they must like it, everyone must like it, what's wrong with me? I think that process that they go through, it's almost like all logic goes out of the window. If the relationship that they have with technology isn't making them feel good about themselves, and that's not about pushing all different emotions to the bottom of the pile if they don't feel good if understanding why it doesn't make them feel good is a really good exploration to do and it really teaches them a huge amount about themselves as individuals I think going through things like a values exercise is really great in terms of what's important to me what's my sense of purpose what do I really enjoy doing does my behavior reflect my values I think things like that are really key because it, it helps them understand more about who they are as an individual and then subsequently they become less reliant on other people's approval of who they are mm -hmm. and keeping snapshots of their life just for themselves you know not every minute of every day of what they're doing has to be made public knowledge mm -hmm. and I think sometimes having those little bits that they keep and just share with you know one or two people as a text message rather than you know thousands of people online is really good so I think that education around the use of technology is key and I think we could all benefit from kind of going through that process as well not just young people. That's so true and you've worked a lot with some of the big corporations out there and you work with people who are just entering the working space. Are those the sort of exercises that you do with them? What would the training be that you would go through with them? I think any young person that's kind of moving from education to employment, whether that be on an apprenticeship, a degree apprenticeship, a graduate job, or just starting out in, the, in their first role, there's all, well, you would hope there would always be an element of development and training that they would embark on. So whether that is kind of a standard induction program that they would follow, um, because they're coming in at kind of a low level I haven't heard of an organization that doesn't develop them. You know, there's kind of leadership programs that they could have access to, all of these sorts of things. And what they tend to do is they tend to follow a pattern of starting with self. So helping that young person understand more about who they are as an individual. That may be things like their learning preferences and learning styles. It may be how to have um, difficult or courageous conversations with other employees, how to delegate. Um, but they will always start with self. And I think that's a really, really important place to start. And I, I think that it's not necessary that a young person waits for that uh, until they actually join an organization. 
And then they will move on to, to teams. So their wider team that they're going to be working with and engaging with and how they fit within that team. So looking at different sort of strengths, potential skills gaps, and then looking at the culture. So the wider organization, what is their place in that culture? And I think that's really key because sometimes, you know, coming in on an apprenticeship, you may not feel like you have a voice or on a graduate program, understanding that there um, are lots of different levels of hierarchy within a business. So sort of getting a sense of, of where you fit into all that is really important. And knowing that what you do, no matter what your role is in that organization, that you are working towards the same strategy as the CEO of that organization. You're all bought into that and you all absolutely 100% believe in that culture of the business. So that's typically what would happen with, within organizations like that. Some are better at doing that transition. I've done a lot of research with organizations. I've done interviews with apprentices and graduates that have been through that process. I've done interviews with their line managers as well just to see what they made of their experience because the organization at the time was looking to make improvements on it. And it's quite shocking in terms of some of the experiences, both the line managers and the young people in terms of, you know, not having a desk when you turn up on day one, not having the equipment to be able to do your job, not even knowing that you have a young person joining your team. So those experiences can vary massively and they can essentially make or break that for the young person. This particular organization had a lot of dropouts because of the way that the kind of induction and onboarding process was handled. So I think being able to deal with uncertainty and know that it's not a reflection of how they view you. It's just sometimes how the corporate world works in terms of not being ready and communication breakdowns, I think is, is really important. So that ability to know that when things don't go according to plan, that's okay. You know, there are things to learn from it. There are things that you can do. And an exercise that I think works really well is, is looking at what you can control and what you can influence and what you can't control. And I think that's, that's kind of a life skill that does everyone good, you know, whether you be in first year of secondary school or, you know, sort of going into a, a graduate programme. Do you know we did a podcast on that? I'll put it in the show notes if people want to go back to that. It's a good exercise. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. They have major transitions, don't they? They have one into the employment world. They also have one from junior school to senior school. And of course, what we're not talking about here is just that age group. We're talking about what can we invest in our children now that can prepare them. And rightly, you, you landed on social media and some of the ways that that has changed us socially. It's changed the culture in our homes. But I did a bit of research a few years ago, and I also noticed what came up quite frequently was that expression teacup, the teacup generation. And the implication was that they got to the place of university first job and they were like China teacups. They were just so fragile and ready to break. But what a lot of the research pointed to wasn't just social media. It was about the parenting style of that generation. I mean, I don't want to label anybody or suggest that this is by any means everybody, but there was an expression that came out called hovering, wasn't there? The hovering. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, everybody can relate to a greater or lesser degree that, you know, desire to sort of rescue your children. But some of these organizations were talking about parents turning up to interviews, parents filling in forms and that sort of thing. Do you think there's something we should be aware of as parents of younger children to caution us for that moment when we really need to push them out of the nest? I think 
you know, I can, I can certainly speak from, from my own experience as a parent of an 18 year old and a 14 year old. I know that my parenting style is very, very different to, to the way that, that I was brought up. Um, and I think if there were a balance between the two, then I think you'd probably have a really good approach. I think as parents, one thing that we probably forget is that our role is to essentially support our child into becoming an adult. You will always be a parent, but essentially they have to be able to cope with the outside world unless you know they're planning on staying at home for the rest of their life. There's always that element of protection. I think that's related to the world we're living in, I think. When, you know, bad things happened historically, not everyone knew about it because news wasn't on a 24 hour reel. So you could almost go about your day blind to a lot of bad stuff that was going on in the world. But I think because of the Internet and I think of the news, everyone is is aware of stuff. And I think as parents, we've become very protective because we can see that there's, you know, in our eyes, there's a lot of bad stuff going on on occasions. So that natural instinct to protect is there. But I think the moment that you realise that that's not helpful to your young adults, by parenting them in that way, by shadowing them constantly, they won't be able to stand on their two feet. And that will be detrimental to their health and well-being when they go out and into the world of work. So I think it's really important to be able to talk through options. But at the end of the day, that child having the confidence and the capability to to put themselves out there to have a voice um, and to be able to to handle those difficult situations is absolutely vital um, and I think as parents by uh, smothering them and wanting to protect them the whole time we're not giving them a realistic um, view of, of what life is like so I think you know there's there's lots of books out there to help parents as as you you well know it is a tricky one and I think it feels so kind in the moment. One of the things that we sometimes talk about on parenting courses is what does love look like? Because the mere word encouragement means to put courage into somebody, not just to yeah. do all their courage for them. And then what does it mean to encourage in that case? Does it mean to step in and do everything for them? And I think another thing that's really good for them is allowing them to fail in the home and realise that you survive failure. I think they're so afraid of getting it wrong, being rejected. And the other thing that I you know, talk a lot at the beginning of my book about is belonging. It's great to analyze who do I want to be on social media? How can I be the same person on social media that I am in private? But belonging is something we can really work on in the home, isn't it? Definitely. And I think certainly for the 16 to 24 year olds, I think they're um, reported as being the, the most kind of lonely age group which in a world that is supposed to be connected just doesn't make sense at all, which comes back to the relationships they have. But I think if they feel lonely, they'll think they're lonely and they'll act as if they're lonely. So I think it's, you know, that sense of belonging. Um, I think that comes from really accepting who they are as individuals and being okay with who they are rather than striving to be something that they're absolutely not. And I think that self-acceptance helps with that sense of belonging because they know that who they are is enough and they have a voice and that voice is heard and I think certainly for you know around sort of teenage years I think that's really important. I'm just going to jump in here for a moment and let you know that if you want to build strength in your children whether they're babies or they're leaving home you'll love the book Parenting for Life. Just recently, I handed a woman her copy and I had a little bit of reservation whilst I did it because she's a behaviour specialist and I thought she'll know all there is to know. But she said to me the next day, I didn't watch any TV last night because I just kept turning one more page and one more page. 
It's affirmation indeed when a professional says this. She said the book empowers parents to empower their children to be all they want to be. It was praise indeed. If you'd love your child to have the strength to be who they are and who they want to be, to be strong and confident in that, as well as gentle and empathetic, then jump onto the link below and get your listener discount and have Parenting for Life delivered to you for only £15. It's hardback, it's colourful and it's beautiful. Now let's pop back and hear all about that app. So we created a free app for for young people. It's aimed at the start of secondary school and beyond. And it is really a self-development tool. So it helps take the young user on a journey of self-reflection, looking at who they are, discovering who they are in some cases, understanding more about themselves, accepting themselves, and also the ability to have things like difficult conversations. But essentially it looks at what the medical profession deems as lifestyle medicine. So it's looking at things like relationships, stress management, nutrition, sleep, um, headspace and it helps a young person almost get their house in order so that they are set up to cope when things do become more challenging and what we're really looking to do with this free resource through working with schools and colleges and universities and employers is really shift the way that young people start out their journey into employment and how they experience secondary school and I think when we become adults, so me at, uh, you know, 45 years old, I'm pretty okay with who I am. Um, you know, I'm accepting of, of my flaws and, and all the other bits and pieces. And I think if young people could get to that point, but far quicker, it would probably save a lot of heartache and, and struggles for them. So being accepting of who they are, but being able to have something in their back pocket that they can draw upon. Brilliant. So give me an example then. So let's say I'm 12 and I got a text that really upset me and it threw my sense of identity. I've got your app. It's called I Am Me. What would I dig into? I think the one thing that would spring to mind, there's tons of articles on the app and there's a search capacity on there as well. So if there was something in particular that sprung to mind with that example, I would probably navigate myself towards one of the top articles, which is Dance to Your Own Beat which helps that young individual know that actually there's absolutely nothing wrong with them as a person, but it helps them go through a process of thinking about who they are, what they enjoy about life, you know, what, what their sense of purpose is, and then also looking at relationships. So having courageous conversations or investing in relationships or stepping away from relationships. So having that knowledge that actually what they're experiencing, lots of other young people experience, and they have a choice in terms of whether they invest in that relationship, that friendship, or they say, actually, this isn't for me. It's not making me feel good. I'm going to step away. What's lovely about that one is it's so empowering. It's not like, oh, well, never mind. You know, she's a rotter. It's, you know, let's look at you. Let's look at what you are and what you can do and how you can feel. Because you talk about courageous relationships. And I would say, actually, I'm not convinced any of us are terribly good at that. I look back at my life and I know that the relationships in my life that are strongest are the ones that have got what I would call knots in the tree. There are moments when I've had to go, do you know what? When you do such and such or when such and such happens to me, I really struggle with that. And we've had that awkward conversation and what you call done the work and we're in a better place. I'm not sure that's common. And I'm also not sure people know how to do it. So you talk about courageous relationships. What would you point them towards for that? 
I think that comes down to being okay with not being the same as other people. And I think a lot of those kind of situations occur because young people are trying to almost fit in and not stand out. I think one of the questionnaires looks at things like, do you share all the same interests as your peer group? Do you tend to, to wear the same clothes? Do you style your hair in the same ways? Do you all you know, enjoy doing the same things? And then there's that bit of reflection, which is actually, is that how you want to re represent yourself? So it's almost a bit like a personal branding exercise, which you would do in a corporate world. And some of the examples we give on the app is alternatives. So if they wanted to have that conversation, some ideas about how they might say something like, you know, if it, if it were down to fashion choice, that looks great on you. For me, I think I prefer, you know, X, Y, Z. So you're not sort of saying what on earth do you think you're wearing? It's, it's just pointing out that there are differences and differences are okay. It's that diversity of expression, diversity of thought, which is vital to living in a creative world. But also one of the really cool things about the app is that the bottom of each article, there is a share function. So if you hit share, it can come as a link, as a text message to someone. So if you didn't feel like you could put into words what you wanted to say, you could just literally type something along the lines of, I've read this article, this is how I'm feeling at the moment, can you have a read and let's talk. So it's almost you're letting the article do the work for you, the awkward bit, and then you can have that conversation so you're not necessarily trying to spark something with possible defensives going up. So it's time to absorb. Have you asked people, how's that gone for you when you've sent somebody an article? I mean, I'm just sort of thinking now, like, you know, if I sent a friend an article, how would they feel on receiving that rather than me saying I was struggling when such and such happened today? We've had um, lots of examples of young people where they haven't felt able to have conversations with their parents or their carers about what they're experiencing and what they're going through. Um, it's almost as if the, the conversation wasn't able to get beyond the point of can I talk to you about because it was it was met with almost a, a brick wall in in lots of the cases so in in those instances it's it's absolutely an opportunity to to really kind of process the information and then reflect on it and probably go through all of those emotions of denial anger and then calm down and, and be ready to to kind of move forward I think with young people you know, the thing that we would always encourage is that face-to-face -face connection. I think that's massively lacking, you know, that ability to have a conversation rather than using an emoji to express how you're feeling, I think is in danger of becoming a lost art. So all the stuff that we do on the app is geared towards them feeling like they have a voice and helping them have that voice in a way that isn't going to create confrontation for them. I think it depends on how they would start that text message off as to how well it would be received. So probably more for those cases where someone was potentially worried about someone and didn't know how to have that conversation in terms of you know their concerns about uh, their mental health and well-being and more of a kind of a support uh, use to it but yeah certainly there's been some some really lovely examples of, of young people sharing it with carers and parents so a reach out and also a hey I'm not sure how to express myself but this is how yeah. I was doing today yeah yeah that's so good. And as you say, there's a journey to this app, isn't there? You can get to a certain stage and feel like you've almost done a course on mental health, can't you? 
definitely. And when we um, embarked on creating this, it wasn't something that we just wanted uh, young people who were struggling to, to feel that they could access and work with. It's something that I think will add benefit to, to any young person, you know, whether they're thriving in, in an academic environment or work environment or whether they're struggling. I think that the skills that we cover in there, I know that they're absolutely everything that you would you would cover as part of a development program. But equally, as, as you, you very well know, you know, being a teenager is quite a confusing time. And I think if we can help give a little bit of reassurance as to number one, what they're going through is, is very, very common. Lots of people do experience it. And not being sure of who you are at that age is, is okay as well. But if we can help them be content with where they're at, I think, you know, we're, we're on to a winner. It's not, it's not about creating a false sense of joy and happiness, you know, forever and a day, because those moments are fleeting and, and that is life. But it's, if they can be accepting and content, then I think, you know, we've, we've done a good job. And who's the we that you speak about? Um, well, there's myself. Um, I have the support of uh, lots of young advisors. So as part of the research, all of the young people that have helped me are really the brains behind the content areas on the app. So all of the content that we cover is deemed to be important by them. Um, and also we have support from uh, a range of mental health charities, psychologists, nutritionists, to make sure that the advice and the content that we're offering is valid and is something that's going to really support those young people. So it, it is a real team effort and obviously the, the technology behind it, the developer that's, that's you know, put into life what, what we've, you, we've sort of mapped out for them. So yeah, that's, that's the way. Gosh, well done. That's no small thing, is it? So do you think it would be a good thing for parents to tap in to I Am Me as well as children just to get a lay of the land? Yeah, definitely. And I've done a number of talks with schools. So where I would go in and position the app as a resource for, for the young people. I've done talks for the parents as well. So they know what their kids are accessing. And we've had messages from even grandparents that have been through the app that are worried about their grandchildren. So absolutely. And I think what it does is it helps to understand the kind of challenges that young people face in today's world. And I think you know, depending on your upbringing as a parent, depending on your parenting style, depending on your relationship with your child, I think sometimes we can forget that it is a different world that they're growing up in. And actually being aware of, of even spotting some of the symptoms to do with kind of stress management, whether they have, you know, sort of social groups that they can spend time with and feel good. Just even kind of, you know, being aware of some of the symptoms around things like that or relationships with technology. As a family, you know, there are things that you can do all together and it can help to, to start those conversations, whereas otherwise you might not have been able to. That's brilliant. What do children plug into more than anything else? On the app in terms of content. That's something that you've got the matrix to find out. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, so we can we can see what young people are searching for. So what words are being put in and stress and loneliness and suicide are consistently top three. Loneliness crept up during the first lockdown, but they, they tend to be the first three. And then sleep comes quite um, close to those as well. So what we're able to see is the content that they're accessing. So we know that these young people still need support, but equally, um, when we first created the app, given the, the kind of 
way that young people engage with their phones, YouTube, uh, we thought that the video content would be something that would be used more regularly than the articles. But what's interesting is the articles have a much higher level of engagement. And I think that's because there's a huge amount of self-reflection in them. So they all have questionnaires, they have sliding scales to gauge where they're at with something. So in terms of how stressed they feel at this particular moment, helping them see what symptoms might manifest if they are stressed. So I think there's a, a quest to learn more about themselves. And a lot of the young people that we work with that are slightly older always say that if I'd had this when I started secondary school, I think I would have had quite a different experience. And your articles are written by all sorts of people, aren't they? It's not... Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a real mix. So we've worked with um, Teens in Crisis, their counselling service. They've created some wonderful articles on us, particularly around self-harming, which are really, really helpful offering different coping alternatives. We've worked with nutritionists and psychologists and also from the leadership development programmes that, that we've been part of in the corporate world, you know, taking a lot of content from those as well. And that's the beauty, isn't it? That you've worked in the corporate world and you're looking back and going, okay, what can we invest in and what can we give them? My perspective is you're sitting on a gold mine. So what do you want to say to those parents out there who might even have two, three-year-olds, 10, 11-year-olds? What would you want to say to them about spreading the word about this app? Um, well, the, the first important thing is that it's free, you know, so the fact that there is a free resource out there, whenever we engage with a school or a service, their natural response is why do more people not know about this? And that's purely down to my ability to spend time on it and spread the word. So just literally sharing details of it would be brilliant. And also what we're really keen to do is to get marketing collateral packs out to all of the schools starting in Gloucestershire. We don't just work in Gloucestershire, we work nationally. We're working with schools as far south as Exeter and colleges in Norwich. But I think at the moment, in terms of giving something back to the community, getting those marketing packs out to each of the schools is key. So funding for the app to help us to continue doing what we're doing and spreading the word is, is also key. So if somebody wanted to get that out to their school, do they just contact you? There's uh, our website, which is www.iammeapp.com. And there's all the contact details on there. So there's a section for young people. There's a section for educators. There's a section for employers and a section for parents. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes. So that leads us to the all important question, which is pertinent when we're talking about mental health, isn't it? What's a courageous thing that you've done? Um... <laughs> personally and it, and it is a very personal thing so when I grew up I grew up with an alcohol dependent uh, family member which has really shaped who I am as um, a person really shaped my childhood but equally has massively shaped how I parent and I think that realization that you don't have to have approval from from someone else that I feel was a really courageous step for me to take because I think when you grow up in an alcohol dependent household the natural question is what have I done wrong what is it about me that has created this situation and I think you know being able to to know that actually you are enough and to be courageous enough to step away from wanting to get that approval has been a big jump and a big learning curve for me as well. And can you remember some of the first times that you tried it? Um, yes, and it was just huge amounts of self-doubt, huge amounts of fear, and also almost like a, you know, a night going on a quest in search for that love and acceptance, which, you know, can become incredibly all-consuming. I think 
you know, sort of comparing yourself to, to lots of other people, you know, as a child, definitely that's something that I, I did a huge amount of, you know, sort of wanting to, to be accepted and fit in and, and mirroring other people's actions just to, to get that kind of acceptance and kindness. It's not something that I started to step away from probably since I've started doing the app, I would say. So it's almost been a, a development tool for me as well. So I guess that's a little bit of why I'm so passionate about this. Helping young people know that they are enough from the get-go is, is really important to me. I love it. So the thorn in your side has ended up being your gift to the world, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could, yeah, you could put it like that, yeah. She has my support, my admiration and my gratitude. How dedicated is that to get a free app to young people so that they can thrive, not just now, but on in their working lives? Added to which, she's now doing a master's in psychology. That is one busy lady, so I was grateful for the time that she spent with us. So pop and visit the site, I Am Me, using the link below. And if you feel able to rate and review the podcast, I really appreciate that too. And share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it. And if you like a little nugget to start off your week, then join me on The Courageous Mama on Instagram. I put a little vlog on there last week and I got a lovely email from someone saying this. I saw your post on Instagram about asking questions and it's made a massive difference. Instead of saying, right, it's bath time and having my daughter have a mini meltdown because she's having fun on our bed, I'll ask her, do you want to be carried, to walk or to crawl to the bath? And she often crawls just for the fun. It's been great. We've had much less tears. I'm so glad that's diffused the situation for her. I know it often does. And messages like that make all the hard work so worthwhile. So thank you for each and every one of them. I'm easy to find. I'm the Courageous Mama on Instagram, on the podcast and on the blog. And I'll see you next week. Bye.